Hello and welcome to Deep Spirituality, where we're focused on understanding the spiritual in everything while learning to walk with God like never before. This is part two of a three-part series titled How to Have a Quiet Time. So make sure to head over to deepspirituality.net for more content on this series and to interact with the DIY studies introduced in this episode. Also, while you're listening, make sure to leave us a nice review. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating. These really help our show get noticed by a new and larger audience. So if you love what you're hearing, let us know. And now we'll pick up where Russ, Rhett, Kiara, and Cameron left off on their conversation about creating sacred space with God and learning how to have a quiet time. Welcome to the Deep Spirituality Podcast. This is Russ Yule with Cameron, uh, Kiara, and Rhett, and uh, the same crew who got us started on creating sacred space. We're going to start you out with this thought. Creating sacred space is the key to having a quiet time. We talked in the previous episode about all the things that can get in there and keep us from doing that. And now we want to start to zero in on, okay, what are the three things you can do to start having a great quiet time right now? And the first one we're going to start with is just to get you started is you want to find a sacred focus. Then you want to get into sacred listening. And then you want to have a sacred conversation. I'll run these through. And then I'm going to let Cameron, Kiara, and Rhett get in and make comments. So first, a sacred focus means you're focused on God and you're not focused on your circumstances. You're not focused on people. You're not focused on email. You're not focused on last night's problems. You're 100% focused on God. And that means sometimes you got to start out the night before and saying, okay, I'm not going to worry about these things. I'm going to set them aside. And when I wake up in the morning, the most exciting thing in my life is going to be God. Number two, sacred listening is about reading the Bible. It's about getting everything out of your mind and literally reading the Bible as though God's voice is speaking to you, letting God talk to you. Don't When you read it, you don't look at it and think about what you learned about it yesterday. You don't think about a sermon you heard. You don't think about a book you read. You read it as though you have never read it before. And then sacred conversation, that's prayer. A lot of people pray, but not a lot of people have a conversation. And when you're having, when you've done a good job of sacred focus and sacred listening, your prayer becomes a conversation. And yeah, God literally guides you to the places you need to go. So I want to see what Cameron, Kiara, and Red have to say about these three ideas, sacred focus, sacred listening, sacred conversation. Maybe they can add some stuff uh, and uh, and get us rolling. Yeah, I think it's totally key just starting out with the sacred focus because um, I think if I can't, I'm one of those people that's highly distractible. I think, you know, even I live with three other guys, which is insane at times. So I have to get out of the house a lot of the time for me to just even sit in a place, get the headphones on. Because like you said, I think it was last podcast that you were talking about how, you know, we live in a place, millions of people, it's hard to sit and focus. And so I do have a playlist to get my mind ready. Um, I like movies, so I listen to a lot of instrumental. I can't do words when I'm, uh, you know, reading or anything like that. So I have to, uh, I like a lot of movies. So movie uh, instrumental, like, uh, compositions, soundtracks, um, help me a lot to just get, get there. But I think also just to, I don't know, thinking about God, thinking about what I'm actually doing instead, instead of, uh, excellent. I don't know. Just, so you're saying sacred focus is That's a big one. I think that's you. a huge one that's a huge to one. start out. What do you guys think? Man, I think, uh, as you were, uh, talking about it, the thing that came to mind was, wow, all those take, feel like they take a lot of discipline, you know, like the sacred focus to be able to shut all those things out and get those out of your head and focus just on God sacred listening, you're talking about reading it like it's the first time you've read it. I find myself so many times reading, even only reading the Bible for the last few years, I already read over stories. I'm like, okay, I know this, or I almost start to skim and I have to like stop myself from skimming. And then 
the conversation, man, every week I, I find myself praying and then having to stop myself in prayer and be like, okay, like, like tell God what you're really thinking. Tell him what you really feel. Like, don't, don't just, you know, say, talk about all your, I think I, I think I, it's a place where I go and talk about my worries and my fears, but I just say them out loud. It's not a conversation like you're talking about. It's just saying my thoughts out loud versus like, I don't know, expecting God to hear and answer in return or give insight, I guess. It's you know, a great just... study to do on that is the presence of God. Maybe get the Psalms out and just study out the word presence, because part of being able to have that sacred conversation is being aware of and experiencing the presence of God. When you look, that's what sacred space really is. It's getting mm-hmm. into that space where you know God is there. I had a lot of difficulty with this and had to work on it a lot, and I still can, especially when I get worried about what people think or I get afraid regarding our circumstances in life. But... I think the the difficulty most of us have is when we look, when I like to walk and pray, right? So the difficulty we have is when we're looking at nature, we're looking at the sky, people are walking by, we have a hard time believing God is there. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our effort has to be in sacred conversation, believing God is listening to the whole mm-hmm. conversation. And something my wife really got me started on before we were even dating and then other friends is praying about my emotions because I'm very emotional. I don't know if you are or not. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, and so when you pray about your emotions, everything else comes out. But that, mm-hmm. what I learned from you, Red, is sacred conversation is a big deal and learning how to have a real conversation because that creates the intimacy. Mm-hmm. I think Kiara right. wants to get in here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all that sounds difficult. But also really attractive. <laughs> Why do you say it sounds difficult? Because what I was saying, like the discipline of like, okay, I'm going to choose to like focus. I'm going to just listen to God. But it's also, as you're describing it, something that I really want, like the sacred listening. Like that sounds cool to me, like to be able yeah. to read the Bible and be like, there's something that God is trying to tell me right now that he is speaking to me. Good from this scripture and not I even like the idea of like okay, don't focus on like what I read yesterday what I'm supposed to learn because I can even put pressure on reading the Bible like I need to get something out of this not what is God saying just to me for right now so so Cameron yeah. if you were going to like say something about like how can you when you're stuck like that and you're not getting anything out of your Bible what do you, do you have any tips what would you do man that's a good question um if I'm not getting anything out of the Bible I think I, I usually reread what I, cause I can go through a chapter yeah. and not even really be reading. I'm just, I'm, my eyes are moving, yeah. but there's, my mind is somewhere else. Yeah. And so even if it's the next day and I realize that and I'm like, what did I even read yesterday? Sometimes I'll reread yeah. what I went, what I, what I read. And it's like, I never read it right. because I really didn't yeah. like turned out. Um, so I think stopping even in the middle of it, if you catch yourself, like I do oftentimes distracted, thinking about something else, I just go back over what I'm reading again. And I don't, feel like I have to, sometimes I'll, I'll read, I'll read a paragraph. I'll read a a nice little chunk, but I don't feel like I have to get through a bunch and just really try to get something out of that couple sentences even. Well, you know, one one of the, one of the workout things I learned about a long time ago is, you know, it's fairly new for people that are older like me that you can get as much out of 15 or 20 minutes as you can get out of an hour, right? Right. The Uh key is pace. And so one of the things I learned to do is mix it up. You know, there's push-ups, there's planks, there's there's setups, yeah. there's there's all these different yeah. things. But you just keep them going, and you get it going, and you get it going, and to your 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 breath rate, your uh, breathing rate, and your heart rate, they speed up. Right. And so, uh, what I try to do is mix it up. So mm-hmm. one of the things you can do when you're stuck uh, and you're reading your Bible and you're not getting anything out of it, that usually means that to me that I've not calmed myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Psalm one thirty one says you want to be calmed and stilled. Right. 
Uh, and the way you do it is you pray, read, pray. Mm-hmm. So instead of yeah. ha- instead of getting stuck, because right. when you pray first, you you and you pray about your emotions, you calm yourself down enough to listen. So think about sacred focus, right. sacred listening, sacred conversation. The way to get sacred focus sometimes is to get away from people and pray. Like if you can't, yeah. if you're not getting anything out of your Bible, or it's just you know you're just it's so noisy in your head. Sometimes that means get up, go someplace, go to a park. Go yeah. to a mountain, do something, get in your car and get somewhere where you can pray and you can you can say, God, you've got to help me forget about all this stuff because I can't hear your voice because of all that's going on in my head. So sometimes we get into these routines and instead of thinking about a quiet time as like exercise, what I want to do uh, in this section is talk about a guy who did that. Uh, can anybody remember uh, David? And his, some of his most uh, pivotal and uh, difficult moments. Can anybody remember yeah. King David? Yeah, some of definitely. His most pivotal, difficult King moments. Saul chasing him down, him hiding in the caves. Okay, or, uh, cool. Uh, repeatedly, you yeah. know. Or even yeah. when his people were trying to attack him earlier, all bitter at him, and then he had to retreat and go back and because they wanted to, I think, like kill him and stuff. So they he had to go back. And, <laughs> 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 so he had to go back and get strength from God yeah. to be able to keep leading them. You guys are Bible scholars, right? Or like, yeah, I think about, I guess, in. Um, after that with Bathsheba and then killing uh, her husband and then having yeah. to deal with that whole fiasco. Yeah, he threw down right there. He got entangled. <laughs> and guess what? That's exactly what we're going to take a look at. So oh, okay. you guys are telling me that you're uh, working on these DIYs for teenagers. And I don't know that teenagers will do a good job or relate to sacred focus, sacred listening, mm-hmm. sacred conversation. I, I didn't think about that. But I think, can you tell me this idea of DIY? Why do we need a DIY, a do-it-yourself uh, sort of plan and effort that we can roll out on YouTube and podcasts and articles. Why do the teenagers need that? I think uh, it's especially helpful for, well, I mean, it's helpful for everyone. It's helpful for people who have never been to church. It's helpful for people who are coming to church regularly because like we were talking about before, so much becomes routine. And I think we get in there and I know I'll try to uh, teach the Bible to a kid or talk to them about a quiet time, but we kind of jump to conclusions and think that they know God. We think that they understand how to have a relationship with him, but no one has really like walked them through it. You know, I, this weekend I went with one of the teens who I work with. And so instead of sitting down and just looking at scriptures and talking about them for an hour and a half, me and one of my friends picked him up. We went to like, we all like hiking. So we went to somewhere to hike we read a scripture about how to pray, yeah. talked to him about what he could pray about, and then we hiked up the hill, found Very a nice cool. bench, and then just sat there and just, we each took turns praying and was like, okay, how long should we pray? It doesn't matter. We're just, we're going to pray Good. until we feel like we've prayed, yeah. you know, and we're going to, we're going to push you. We're going to help you get to know God because you don't know God right now. So when you talk to him, it's uncomfortable. It's yeah. weird. It's like you don't know him. So we got to introduce you to this guy we know, God. Yeah. And then so like afterwards, we, we walked down the hill and talked more. And um, I think he after we talked about it, he was like, oh, OK, that was like that was relaxing or enjoyable versus like this tense, you know, where we read through scriptures and then tell him, you know, now go do that. Yeah. But he's like, do what? Yeah. You know, I don't know. How so, to you, do you, so the DIY in your definition is an experience. Yeah. Helping kids have an experience with God, not just fulfill the rules. Yeah. Teach them would... how to connect on their right. own. Yeah. You know. Okay. Completely. I mean, and then I think that's big for the same reason. I think because we, as we've been talking about, like someone, I'm a, I'm someone who's like an experiential learner or something where yeah. I actually have to do it to really grasp. And I think with God, you can't 
really teach God. I mean, you can, but I mean, someone really has to experience God for themselves. So yeah. I totally agree. And um, yeah, I had a similar um, thing that happened this weekend with a teen where um, I think it's helpful with the DIY because I know we have our YouTube channel now and everything. And so we did a YouTube video for the quiet time and they, they looked at the scripture and then there's questions at the end that they were able to talk about and, you know, think about on their own. And then, you know, we also, I also was teaching one of the guys how to pray. Um, cause he's, you know, just starting out, um, starting to study the Bible and whatnot. But, um, but I felt like that was more dynamic in a way, instead of just kind of like, here's a scripture on it. And then you know, see you later. But it's like, okay, like walking them through it. But I think them doing it and experiencing themselves is the only way, I, I guess, really to find God. Um, for I think everyone has to find it for themselves. But I right. think that's uh, for a teen is especially helpful. Yeah. And also helping them be successful at it. I think a lot yeah. of teens don't want to have a relationship with God or think they can't because we'll tell them to do something or how to do it. But then if they try to attempt it on their own, they're like, I can't. Like, I, f- I just literally can't. I can't read my Bible. I can't go and pray. I don't know how. Like, they need to be walked through step by step. And also, even as Cameron's talking about the YouTube videos, um, I think it challenges – it actually really challenges me to think about a quiet time differently. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be traditional like every – you know, like – the way that someone, Cameron, has his quiet times isn't going to be the way that I have my quiet times because something works different for him than it works for me. And then, But a teen is going to think, I can't sit down for 30 minutes and read my Bible and take notes and then go and pray, so I can't have a relationship with So what with do you God. think the goal of a DIY is? Because we're going we're gonna to try to talk about, I'm going to try to talk with you, I already done a little bit, about a DIY right now. Because part of what I was talking to you about as far as the sacred focus, sacred listening, and sacred conversation is, in fact, sharing with you DIY. But what is DIY, what's the goal of a DIY quiet time series? What do you think? I think it's like Kiara was just talking about teaching them what quiet time works for them. How are they going to connect with so God So once you've taught them way. that, what's the goal? What's the goal? It's for them to repeat it, for them well, to be able to do it on their own. Okay. So that that's an important thing mm-hmm. because it... it 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 really is not about becoming dependent on human beings. Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. about giving them a leg up. You know, Cameron and I played basketball in high school, and I remember going to my first basketball camp. I think I was a uh, eighth grader, and I went in there, and there happened to be two guards at the basketball camp who were like all city guards from a high school named called Rockford, and I didn't know many people, and I was a that's pretty small kid. And I went in there, and for some reason they took to me, and they were helping me do all the drills because I I was overwhelmed Mm -hmm. at this camp. And there's, I mean, everything you can imagine from how to pivot to how to come to a jump stop, turn, hit a jump shot, how to box out, how to use your rear end to box out. There are all these technique things. And so the coaches were constantly saying, no, move your body this way, do it this way. And then you ran drills until Mm -hmm. you got it down. I think that one of the things about a DIY is it's really a process of showing kids, I hate to use this term, technique mm-hmm. about how to get it done. And a lot of us who are older, I'm older than you guys, were never shown how to do that. So you're talking about a breakthrough here. And the key to me is what will be the themes and the topics and will you cause the kids to read their Bible or, as you guys alluded to, just read a scripture because mm-hmm. you've got to get them to the point where they do that. So yeah. as we go through these scriptures, what I want our listeners to be thinking about is, first of all, when you read the Bible, it doesn't have to be paper. It doesn't have to be phone. It can be a uh, it can be an audio Bible. It can be a DVD Bible if you can get a hold of that. Listening is as good as reading it 
in print. Why? Because think back to the Old Testament. They were speaking orally. It was all oral. They memorized these stories and they retold these stories. And sometimes in our society, we don't realize one of the reasons that dyslexia is a challenge is I, I did a, listen to a documentary on that and reading was always easy for me as a kid. So I watched this documentary and I was blown away because what they talked about is that the human brain really wasn't designed to read uh, print. Mom. It was de- it was designed to, in, to get oral to listen to it. Right. So so reading is actually something that came way later. And so what we do is we emphasize that. And you'll even have people go, well, that person didn't really have a quiet time. They didn't really read the Bible. They didn't look at mm. you know the pages of the Bible, or they didn't read this many chapters. And really, what does it say in Romans ten? It's the hearing of the word, the hearing of the message yeah. that builds yeah. faith. Right? Yeah. It's the hearing of it. <laughs> now we just translated that. I'm not saying we should do away with Bibles. Yeah. But I'm saying. <laughs> We've got to meet kids where they are, and part of DIY is, okay, first question, how does this kid learn? We're, he learns best audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, we're going to buy him an audio Bible, and we're going to listen to it. And there's some beautiful ones out there that you can listen to. So the first thing we want to do is go, okay, let's take a look at David, and let's run through, really. We're going to do it right now. And we're going to experience it right now. Psalm 51, I call this David seeking to come back from a setback. And so in Psalm 51, it says, God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt because your compassion is so great. Take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and ease this deep strain on my conscience. When you guys read that, why do you think I use that topic, David seeking a comeback from a setback? What does that mean to you? Do you guys know what Psalm 51 is about? This is this after, oh, this is after the Bathsheba? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After he commits adultery and kills, he's been oh. exposed by Nathan mm-hmm. as having been in sin, adultery and murder. Yeah. And then he prays this prayer to do what, do you think? I think to get back to God, to yeah. come back to God, to come back it. home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you get into sin, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and a lot of people in America don't like talking about sin. The world don't yeah. like talking about sin. And Christianity is unique as a religion in that sin is a pillar point of it. A lot of people look at sin as being a negative, and, and I right. actually don't think that's true. I think sins is just identifying what it is that's causing a rift between you and God, what's creating distance between you and God. Mm-hmm. So the focus of this passage should be forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And what David is, David feels guilty. Yeah. yeah. Right. And do you see how it says here, deep stain on my conscience? Yeah. yeah. Can you? The reason I like, some people don't like past translation, you know, but that's fine. But I feel like that. The New Living Translation and the Voice Translation, uh, sometimes the New Century Translation, sometimes God's Words Translation, they all tend to get a little bit more emotional than the others. And so I like to have a New American Standard out or an English Standard Version out mm-hmm. that gives you that sort of traditional view of Scripture. But this one gets emotional. And one of the most important things you think we can learn from David is that David is almost always emotional in his relationship with God. He is not sitting here going, I broke a rule, I'm in trouble, yeah. and I'm going to get punished. He's actually focusing in 100% and saying, hey, I've fallen, and I need to get back up. Yeah, and the right. only person who can get me back up is God. And you may be out there listening right now, and you may be like, you know, I really feel terrible about something I've done. I really feel terrible about something in my past. Whether or not you, it, it is terrible, I don't know. It may not be, but you feel it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this particular thing is, I think every, I know I've needed it in my life. When my conscience makes me feel guilty all the time, mm-hmm. when I feel I've completely failed, when I feel like nobody around me would ever want to forgive me for yeah. the way I am or the mistakes I've made, 
when I zero into that sacred space and I'm alone with God and I ask God, it's not just about I've admitted I was wrong and, and, and apologize. There's a stain on the conscience, mm-hmm. a feeling of discouragement yeah. and depression that comes. And that's what I think we need comebacks from. I don't know yeah. if you guys have ever felt that way. But to me, to have a really great quiet time, you have to start out by saying, what's getting me down? And in this first step, come back uh, from a setback, I'm going to get back up. Because you can't do anything that day if you don't get back up. It may be as little as, hey, I said I wasn't going to eat chocolate cake, and I just devoured half of a chocolate cake. (laughs) All right? How do I come back? And start all over again. Does yeah. that, what's that yeah. got you thinking about? Well, I was just going to point out, though, too, it says, David says, I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. There's also a knowledge of a, like a trust of who God is. So then confessing sin or talking about sin or the things that you feel guilty about isn't right. as scary because yes. it says your love is enough to wash away my guilt. Um, so I was just. I was just thinking about that, like needing to remember like who God is. Yes. That right. it does wash away the guilt. And that's why you have to read the Bible, because if you don't read the Bible, you don't know who God is. And we yeah, end up right. listening to what people tell. You know, I've talked to people that have such a twisted view of God mm-hmm. that they tell you, oh, you did that. You're going to get punished by God. There are people who talk like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that does is it makes you not think God is a loving mm-hmm. God. So what we learn, and thank you all for pointing this out, is that. David saw God as a loving God. Mm-hmm. Right. Notice he goes for forgiveness, but not for kingship. He yeah. doesn't come in there and go, make sure I stay in power. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know in life we can be like, forgive me, but don't let me suffer any consequences for my mistakes. Right. David's like, I'm not worried about consequences. I'm worried about my relationship with God. That's being in sacred space. Definitely. How do you feel about that, Rep? I feel good about it. I, I like the, well, what, what I like too is forgive the full extent. I think that's really hard for me to, to just let go completely. You know, it says erase this deep stain on my conscience. I think I had, you know, there was 23 years of, of not really following God. So there was, the conscience was very stained. And so it took a lot uh, to believe that God forgives the full extent. Cause most of the time it feels like people don't forgive the full extent. Yes. So you go, how, how does God forgive me completely and yes. not even think about it anymore? Cause it weighs on me all the time. Mm-hmm. See and that. And right. I think, don't, I mean, you guys have worked with teenagers. I think, you know, teenagers carry a lot of guilt. Don't you think, especially the ones who grew up in the church, right? Definitely. Yeah. So don't you think one of the first things we have to teach a teenager in the DIY thing is how do you come back from a setback? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I cheated on a test, you know, and some, some, some teenagers, they get such a oversensitive yeah. conscience that they're feeling guilty about junk they shouldn't even feel guilty about. Yeah. Right. It's like a perfection thing. Like I have to, and, and they don't see sin as like when you're getting closer to God, you're actually going to see more of yep. your sin. Yeah. And I think they see it and they think, Oh, I'm terrible. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I think that's people in general. That's me too. Like I could just be guilty and having that, I think being able to talk about sin in a way that's not self deprecating, like my life is over, <sighs> you know, like it's, I like setback. It's just a little setback. That's like it. It's not, it's that's not it. like, it's not over. Yeah. You, know, you can keep going. You can get back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and going back to the point Kiara was making about abundant love, he's focusing on the relationship, not the rules. Mm-hmm. Think about that for yeah. a minute. And if you're out there and you feel terrible about yourself, I've been there before. And in another podcast coming up, we're going to talk about the older brother in the prodigal son story, because he's super, super burdened by performance. It's like, I got to do everything right. Mm-hmm. If I do everything right, God will bless me. No, David goes, I've totally messed up <laughs> yeah. the relationship. Right. And my number one priority is getting the relationship right. So when you talk about come back from a setback, you're not talking about I'll never sin again. I'll never mm-hmm. make a mistake again. We, You know, I don't know about you guys. I've blown it the same <laughs> way 
like so many times in a row <laughs> yeah. that I, I sat down and went, will I ever change? Right. I've been places where I've been like, this is hopeless. I'm never going to change. And what David is saying, it's not about whether you change or not. It's yeah. about whether you get in relationship with God or not. Right. Do you come back right. from the setback in your relationship with God? Now, let's take another look at the rest of this. All right. So I call this section quieting the noise of human judgment. And you were kind of talking about this, right? Yeah. In Psalm 51 and verse 3, for I am so ashamed. I should have one of you guys read this. I feel such pain and anguish within me. I can't get away from the sting of my sin against you, Lord. Everything I did, I did right in front of you, for you saw it all against you and you above all have I sinned. Everything you say to me is infallibly true and your judgment conquers me. Now, these were, see, a lot of us get stuck on reading only one version of the Bible. One of the reasons I like to mix it up is to surprise myself with truth. Yeah. Because mm. sometimes I know what's coming because I'm reading the NIV all the time. <laughs> and so I'm not even listening anymore. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I know what comes. And I'm again, but when you put something in front of you you haven't seen before, it, it, it stuns you. And that's why some people even question it. Go, I don't even know if that's the way to translate the Bible. No, what's happened is you're hearing something that you maybe don't want to hear. <laughs> and so you're going, well, I don't like it that way. You know what? You need to take it the way God gives it to you. When quieting the noise of human judgment, he says against you and above all you, I've sinned. How do you guys feel about that idea of quieting the noise of human judgment by focusing on God's judgment right. and not on human judgment? I do get caught up with what people think and, and how that, um, how I'm going to look. I don't know. That to me almost feels like the way that I would see it, like a, from people. Yeah, like it's like a, definitely. It's like they're like I'm I'm, asha- I'm ashamed of myself. Like God doesn't want me to feel those things. So it's almost like a process David's going through. He's like, you know, my sin's always here. Like I, I can't get it away from it. But then he goes back to God's love. He like yeah. comes back to God and like seeing that like, no, he is forgiven. Like he just, he needs to get right with God. And that's, that's the key. And I think that's, yeah, that's something I don't usually uh, understand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you were saying originally, though, too, uh, Cameron, yeah. it's going away from the self-deprecating part because he's first he's like, I feel pain. I feel anguish to the God part. But God, like, this is how I hurt you. This is right. what you think. This is what you feel. Um, yeah. And to me, that sounds I mean, one, it just makes things less complicated because yeah. people are going to like just have a million opinions and thoughts and emotions about me. Um, but God, like it just it simplifies a quiet time. It 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 simplifies it. And it makes me want to be just close to him, not care about like right. the extremity or correcting myself all the time. Like just, it's just being close to him. Yeah. Well, cause I also just to go back, I think like, cause even when I think about sin, I think about how bad I am. I don't, cause I don't usually think about people necessarily. Even I maybe I should more, mm-hmm. but like, I think, I think more about myself and I'm like, Oh, like I, I beat myself up more. And I think that's kind of what David's doing. Like, and I think that can be human judgment, my human judgment yeah. on my own mm-hmm. sin, you know, like, and, and that's not even a right view. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're most judgmental of yeah. ourselves. Like everybody Definitely. else has let it go and we're yeah. still in the closet yeah. pounding ourselves with a bat. Right. 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 And I think, I think that's why what people don't understand. Again, I'm going to come back to this idea that, that, that sin is about your relationship with God. And that's about your relationship with people too. And so if I, if I, if I'm mean to Cameron and slander him and insult him, then I, I, I'm not going to be close to Cameron until I make that right. But the, 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 I, I will, I will not get where I need to get until I can get myself right with God. And I think a lot of the times we think about the rules. I, I, or mm-hmm. I still do, but it was worse and early in my Christian life and the human judgment. I remember being in tears over 
what a leader in my church thought of me. And I'm not joining those people who are down on leaders. I, I, I think when, when you get caught up into what leaders think of you, I actually didn't get mad at the leader. I started realizing that my faith Something was totally on people right. and that my focus was totally on people yeah. and that my anger and my bitterness and my depression was because I was trying to fix what people thought about me instead of going, wait a minute, that, that, that's really not relevant. What's right. really relevant to me is, and Cameron, you did a beautiful job, I think, showing me even some stuff. He's super emotional because right. he has to deal with the fact that he's blown it from a human point of view and that from a human judgment point of view, David prays this in a, or talks about this in a, another part of the Bible. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he basically, God says, look, you've blown it counting the, the, my, the men. Oh, he yeah. says, you've blown it. Now you're going to get a judgment. I'll either, uh, you know, uh, uh, turn, uh, 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 I'll send a, whatever it is, a plague on, on, oh, on yeah. you and your people, or I'll turn you over to a, a foreign military. He goes, you make the judgment because God is merciful and men are not. And I think one of the things that someone to understand is people are not really merciful. Now, there's a bunch of people going, no, no, not like God. <laughs> God can see what we do and go, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to bring you back. It's hard for people because they, 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 me, I have a hard time getting over my own hurt. God put Jesus on the cross and was like, okay, this is how we're going to get over the hurt. I'm going to let my son die for you. The hurt's gone. Now let's just work out the relationship. I think one of the most important things that every human being needs, I know I need it, is to quiet the noise of human judgment, Mm -hmm. to be able to sit down and say, yeah, I'm willing to deal with I've hurt Cameron and I'm going to apologize to him. But before I can even do that, I've got to get myself to a place where I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about my relationship with God. And when my relationship with God is strong, and I know God, I hate to use this cliche, loves me, cares about me, believes in me, and will be with me. Now I'm secure enough to go to Cameron and say, you know what? I blew it. Mm -hmm. I apologize. I think we can't get there, not because we don't want to apologize, but because our focus has to be on God to get there. And so I think when working with teens, a lot of teens can get suicidal because of the guilt they feel. Mm -hmm. They can get depressed. They can get distracted. They cannot want to go to church because church makes them feel guilty. And if we don't learn how to help them create a sacred space where they can go, okay, I'm not going to worry about my mom and dad are thinking about me. I'm not going to worry about what everybody else think about me. I'm going to let it go. Well, and I, I, I totally think that's, I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. And I think it's right on because even the last line is striking me with just, he says, everything you say to me is infallibly true. And I think about how teens and oftentimes for me, it's, it can be hard to believe in God and like really see uh, that God is that secure place, you know? And I think this thing we're describing of creating the sacred space is all part of like believing in God because yes. when you experience that, then they know they can let down. Like when we know that, oh yeah, this like God is right. The Bible is true. And like, you know, or his judgment is true and everything he says. And I think that's something that uh, it's another way to bridge that gap by and create is creating and creating that sacred space. Um, so I think, I think I think that's really profound, that whole scripture. Now let's take a look at the next one here. Easing the guilt of sin, easing the creating sacred or erasing space. erasing. Sorry. Thank you. I can't even read my own writing. <laughs> erasing the guilt of sin. Purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I'm pure in heart. Satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. The places within me you have crushed will rejoice in your healing touch. Hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your saving grace. That's, again, part of what ought to be happening in a quiet time. When you're doing a DIY is teaching people 
how to figure out how to erase their guilt of sin. Let me ask you a question. This is a this is a trick. Remember, I told you I was going to surprise you. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a DIY way to explain to a kid that their sin is being erased? A moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did. Uh, I don't know something that was cool that we did uh, when we got our high school group together for a Bible study one time is we, we did, I don't think we used this scripture. I can't remember what scripture we used, but we had them uh, write down, everyone wrote down on like this green piece or it was a red piece of paper. You know, what is it that, um, what is it that you're feeling most uh, guilty about, sad about what's weighing you down? And so they all wrote it down. Um, and then they, we had them all crumple the paper up and throw it across the, throw it across the room, you know, or throw it into a trash can, I think, and we're like, okay, like yeah. that's how God feels about your sin. Like, Good. forget about it. It's done. Yeah. Bye. So that's something that comes to mind. Uh, okay, I thought of one. We did do this actually over the summer in a high school group, and it was on class, and basically got like a jar or something, and then that was filled with water, and it was already clean, and so every sin was like an item from the refrigerator. So it was like, you know, like, oh, um, you know, lying. That's the blue cheese. So we put blue cheese in the water in the jar or whatever. And then like mustard was another sin and something. Yeah. <laughs> so it was all like gross and murky inside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then it, it might have actually been the scripture about how God purifies us. So then we got like a, a strainer or something to catch everything and then poured the jar out into a different jar. But like all the. And then the, you drank it. <laughs> no, no, but basically like that God kind of like strains everything out, like all the gross stuff or the things that we don't want and makes you clean. And obviously the water still had a little bit of murkiness or whatever. So, but God, like it's a brand new jar. It's a brand new So this thing is of water. a good one to work on, right? So for instance, a good, uh, just play acting, right? One person's God plays the role of God. Another person plays the role of a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then you tell them all this stuff. And then you come back and you start talking about the stuff again and God goes, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's eraser. Mm. A whiteboard. Right. Yeah. You write stuff up and then the person turns around and walks away and go, Hey everybody, that's what I've done wrong. And they turn around and everybody goes, there's nothing up there. And it's been erased. We have to find DIY ways to show kids what they can do on their own to be able to be free. Because I think erasing the guilt of sin is huge. the reason people can get down on Christianity is because so often they only hear the problem and they don't hear our solutions. Mm. And everybody is burdened by something that makes them feel guilty and terrible. Mm-hmm. And Christianity is the only religion, in my view, that's predicated on, built on the foundation of forgiveness. It is huge. And so I think what, what whatever sin it is, and I think in churches sometimes, because of all the rules, we can make each other feel guilty about stuff we shouldn't even be feeling guilty about. And so we have to work really hard at erasing the guilt of sin. Let's hit this one, restoring your passion. Once you get through the guilt of sin, once you get connected to God, I think you start getting passionate again. Look at Mm -hmm. Psalm 51, verse 12. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Psalm 51, 12, the uh, passion translation again. I'm going to read that again, Cameron, so you can delete Mm -hmm. that, what I just did. Yeah. So, We're going to hit this last point, restoring your passion. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. When you have a great quiet time, you should come out passionate. Mm -hmm. 
And 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 when we think about how we come out passionate, what makes you guys feel passionate? And definitely football, music, um, I don't know, spending time together with with my roommates. Okay, those are things that I can be passionate about. Yeah, family, friends. I think yeah. uh, food. I'm a big food guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, I think like having purpose and like dr- like doing something with a friend, like if me and my best friend are doing something that, I don't know, creating whatever, maybe it's just going on vacation or going on, going somewhere or helping someone like that makes me passionate, something that we're excited about. So I'm going to yeah. sound, I'm going to sound, I don't know, religious or something, because what I get, you know, what I get most passionate about is, is helping someone change their life. Yeah. There's probably nothing else that I, I mean, no movie, nothing that makes me as excited, no game, no, even Michigan football which is my favorite, Go Blue. Mm. Even that, I just think when I'm passionate for life, I want my kids to do well. I want my right. wife to do well. Mm-hmm. I want my friends to do well. I want people to have dreams. I want them to have hope. And I think he's going, I want to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. I want to get back out there and I want to be passionate. And I just had, Psalm 51 is really a quiet time about how to come back from a setback mm-hmm. and walk out super fired up, like super fired up, just so intense. I was listening. Parker, uh, who's going to be on a podcast in a little bit, sent me a, 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 a music, some music the other day. Uh, was that J. Cole? I forgot. Who. Big Sean. Big Sean is from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Sunday morning jetpack. And I mean, I just saw the title and I was like, this is sweet. <laughs> I just saw the title and I just sat there for a minute and just read the title. I, I wish I had come up with the Sunday morning jetpack. And when I listened to it and I haven't gone through all the words, but when I listened to it, that's what I felt. I felt like, wow, this guy's talking about Sunday morning in your life ought to be about coming out with so much passion and free of so much garbage. And so I think going forward, as we work on DIYs, and we talk about quiet times, we need to remember the goal of a quiet time is to send you out extraordinarily passionate. We hope you'll keep listening and we'll be back with more deep spirituality in our next episodes.